Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this man back. It's the Republican senator for the great state of Kentucky. It is Rand Paul. Uh, senator, how are you? Good to see you again. Very good. Thanks for having me. Uh, I saw the tweet today, retweeted the tweet today. You're absolutely right. I'm going to show it on the screen real quick. Um, you sent a letter along with several other senators to the president basically saying, what are you talking about? You're not going to negotiate. Uh, and Senator, you know, we, we've heard this argument about the debt ceiling. Before we get into the letter and exactly what you're asking for, and I appreciate you doing it, let's just talk about the debt ceiling. Why do we even call it that and we keep on raising it? That's not really a ceiling. That's some temporary figment of our imagination that we keep on moving. Why do we keep moving it? It, it could be useful if we actually insisted on reform with raising yeah. it. So most of us are saying we would only raise it if we actually reform our spending. And really, some are saying you should not risk the full faith and credit of the country. And I think it's actually irresponsible not to attach spending reforms because it's so out, outrageous what we've done to our country. You've got inflation. You've got the money supply expanding at uh, the largest clip in 40 years. And we've added more debt in the last three years than we've added at any time in our history. Wow. And so there are real problems. And you don't have to look far to see these. Go to the grocery store. Try to buy some eggs. Try to buy gasoline. So there are ramifications to a, a country spending more money than comes in. And so uh, my opinion, what we've told the president, is there will be a negotiation. And for him to say there's not going to be a negotiation is really an irresponsible position and shows that he is not at all concerned about the massive debt that we've incurred. And I think that's the incorrect position. Republican senator from the great state of Kentucky, Rand Paul. So what's interesting to me is I'm just a simple guy, and you've told me this off the air a lot. Yeah, Joe, you're kind of simple. Um, I've got a credit card, Rand, and, and the credit card has a limit. And when I, when I hit that limit, the credit card company is going to give me more credit. They're going to say, hey, pay back what you've already borrowed. Why would we believe that you would ever pay it back? Is it as simple as that? Or do we just keep on raising the limit that we have in our credit card, and there's no way to ever pay it back? And if so, why? I can't get that same thing. Yeah, I think there are analogies to a family budget, you know, to anybody that has a job, you spend what comes in. There's also analogies even to your city government, your county government, and your state government. Almost every local government, other than the federal government, spends what comes in. So if you go to your county judge executive or the person in charge of a city and say, how much money comes in? They'll say, oh, $15 million last year. And you'll ask them, how much did you spend? $15 million. Right. They spend right. what comes in. And what it does is it forces the city council, the magistrates, or the state legislators to make decisions. So if you want a road in your district, we have to then weigh that against a road in another district, and we have to prioritize which road is the oldest and most disrepair, or which bridge needs fixed first, and we have to rank our projects because we can't fix everything. In the federal government, that never happens. I've never seen one discussion in Washington where someone says, well, that's a good idea, but you know, we don't have money for that, so let's try to maybe take some money from another project in order to do this project, which sounds more important. There's never the, the normal trade-off that you would expect and that every individual does. You, know, you want to go to the Cubs game and you want to go to the Super Bowl. You know, which can you afford? Which can't you afford? Uh, everybody individually makes those decisions, but the federal government just piles it on more and more. And they're not going to stop unless somebody like you stops them. And Rand Paul has sent out this letter that we're talking about, along with a bunch of other signatories on it uh, from the from the Republican Party in the Senate. I just showed video, uh, Senator, before we started this interview, of Barack Obama saying we have to negotiate back in 2011, and Chuck Schumer saying it, and Debbie Stabenow saying it, and Joe Biden saying it. What? Why do you think that this president says things like, "If I get these bills on my desk"? I will veto them. And then he says he's not going to negotiate when it comes to the budget. Why is he doing this? Because I don't think even his advisors are telling him to say these things. 
You're exactly right. Obama did negotiate, and we got spending caps. And you know how come we don't have those spending caps anymore? Because big government Republicans got in league with the Democrats, and we got rid of the spending caps. So this is a bipartisan problem, and it's really what I call the unholy alliance. The right says we will never cut a penny from the military, and the left says we will never cut a penny from welfare. And so they both just go up every year. But even now, some of the conservatives in their house are saying, we're going to cut spending, but only non-military discretionary spending. Well, that's the Democrats' sacred cow. And Republicans aren't willing to look at military, which does have some bloated spending. If they're not willing to do that, they're starting the negotiation from, I think, an impossible position. That's why I've always been for an across-the-board cut. Everything has to be on the table. And if you look at everything, including the mandatory spending, what you can find is you take a smaller sliver of everything because it's a much bigger pie. If you only do the discretionary spending, which is about a third of the overall budget, there's there's not enough there, really. In fact, you could get rid of discretionary spending now, and it almost doesn't balance the budget. That's wow. how bad it's gotten. So you have to look at some other things. I heard today at lunch that if you were to add work requirements to Medicaid and work requirements to food stamps, you could save $30 billion a year right there. We also could find that if we'd end the pandemic emergency, we'd get rid of some rules that are permanently keeping people on welfare and get them back into the workforce. Some of them have already re-entered the workforce, but we've made it illegal for them to leave government uh, Medicaid and get onto a private uh, company's plan. So there's a lot of things that can be done, even just freezing spending. If you were to have about a $100 billion cut, maybe a $150 billion cut, which still gets us way above what we were spending before the pandemic, right. and then we're able to freeze spending, you still balance in about five or six years. So it's amazing what you can do if you hold the line, but many on the right are saying, and this is what the people who voted for the Omni were saying, the Republican leadership in the Senate said, this is a great deal. We got $45 billion for the military. Well, it wasn't for our military. They sent it to Ukraine. Right, exactly. So it really didn't necessarily make us stronger. In fact, we're weaker every day because we can barely replace all the, the tanks and everything else that is being shipped over there. But the bottom line is there's nothing conservative about a $31 trillion debt, and both parties are to blame. And the only way to actually do this, to ever move forward and do this, is to look all across the board. And, you know, I've been a proponent of the penny plan for years. Cut a penny. And when I ask people who come to Washington seeking money, which is almost everybody, I ask them, well, could you take 99% of what you got last year? And most of them scratch their head and say, well, yeah, that doesn't sound too bad if everybody's doing it. But you say that in Washington, they think you're crazy. But if you tell even the constituents who want more money for breast cancer research or Alzheimer's or something that very is emotionally charged and their family members are suffering, most of them, if you tell them we're out of money but would give you 99% of what we gave you last year, would look at you and say, oh, that's okay, that's reasonable. I, you know, We'll do it if everybody else is willing to do it. It's Senator Rand Paul, a great state of Kentucky. I remember the time when Bill Clinton was in office, and he really was a leftist until Newt Gingrich and those in the Senate got together, the House and Senate got together and said, you've got to do these things or else your legacy is going to be nothing. And Bill Clinton was smart enough to say, I better, I better make some changes, become more moderate. And we actually had a surplus. We, we balanced the budget. We had more money coming in than going out. That was the last time and, I remember it happening. Why is it so different now? Yeah, and Republicans need to remember there are no excuses. We have a majority in the House. Yes. That's where the purse strings originate. And we have more than 41 votes in the Senate. A majority in the House and 41 votes in the Senate can and should force the president to negotiate. So if at the end of this you see nothing, 
Republicans have only themselves to blame because we have the votes and do not accept the excuses of Republicans returning to their home state and saying, well, we tried, but we didn't have the majority in the Senate and couldn't do it. All it takes is 41 votes to stop the Democrats in the Senate and a majority in the House. They can only pass a raise in the debt ceiling with our help, and it should be with significant and real reform to spending. Yeah, but you've got to give us some inside baseball, if you don't mind, uh, Senator, because we believe you. I trust you. If you had the reset button, you would press it and reset our budget right right now. You don't have it. Um, and the fact is, 18 or 19 senators just approved the omnibus, did not vote against it. In fact, they voted for it. They didn't even try to stop it. And they allowed Nancy right. Pelosi to set our budget through September, which makes no sense. The American public didn't want her to do that. So why would they do it now? Why should we believe the senators will get on board now? If they do, you need to uh, maybe talk about it on your program. Did yes. you talk about the Omni a little bit? Absolutely. Just <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. But the thing is, is that many people up here who vote for big government, who are Republicans that go home and say, oh, the deficit is bad, and I'm for small, limited constitutional government. And some of them will even say they supported something I put forward until the next piece, and then mine will fail, and then they'll support the next piece, which is the Omni, which has all the spending. Right. But they, we should not give them a free pass. When they go home, they should be, you know, this discussion should be very pointed, and they should be told no uncertain, uh, no uncertain circumstances that they, ha they have not pleased the voter. And then ultimately people need to run in these elections and we need to have conservative candidates run in the primaries all across the country. It is uh, Senator Rand Paul, great state of Kentucky. Let me ask you about, you brought up uh, Ukraine. We, we're going to end up sending 10 times the money to Ukraine that it would have taken to finish the wall on our southern border. We're protecting Ukraine. We're, we're building infrastructure there. We're keeping their lights on and we're sending them war machines. Is there just an open checkbook for Ukraine? Is there ever going to be a limit? I think that's a, a legitimate question. We're paying their government workers. We're paying their pensions. You know, in my state, we're short of money for our Kentucky government workers, right. our teachers, et cetera, and we're paying the pensions of Ukrainians. Look, I'm sympathetic to their cause. The Russians are the aggressor here. Yes. I have no sympathy for the Russians. But I, my first duty is to Americans. And I can't borrow and cannot and will not vote to borrow money from China to send it to Ukraine. We don't have any money. It's not like, oh, we got a rainy day fund and we can decide to send up some of it to Ukraine. We've sent over $100 billion to Ukraine. This is more than Russia spends in one year. And the danger of now sending tanks, which Biden said a year ago he would not send offensive tanks into there, we're now sending tanks into there that may be perceived by the other side as being offensive. And the thing is, there's going to be a calamity, either a calamity in Russia and, you know, I don't blame the Ukrainians. They're being bombed, but right. I, I don't blame them for bombing back Russia. But if there is a calamity that escalates this or if a European uh, city goes up in flames uh, other than Ukraine, I think, you know, you can see this escalating out of control and somebody ought to have the presence of mind to at least be trying to push a negotiated settlement. And people say, oh, we shouldn't push that. Well, it's our money. It's our weapons. Should we not have a say? And uh, if this goes on five years. If this goes on five years, there'll be no Ukraine left. And you know what they're expecting? They're expecting us to rebuild, repopulate, and repave all of Ukraine. That's what they're expecting. Senator, they're, is there a reason why it's on us? Well, Ukraine isn't in NATO, and we basically are NATO, let's be honest. But they're not in NATO. We want to support them. I'm with you. We're very sympathetic. Let's support them as much as we can, morally and maybe with some money. But we're basically fighting the war now against Russia via proxy. And it doesn't make any no. sense why we're doing so much like we always do. Where is everybody else to go in there and tell Russia the entire world's against you? Because they don't seem to be saying that. 
An interesting thing is, is you were running, you know, we have a $31 trillion debt. Most of Europe runs annual surpluses. Wow. Germany and Sweden actually run a surplus each year, and they're probably sending a fraction of what we're sending, even if you base it on the size of their country and their economy. Now, this is a, largely a European problem, and we shouldn't think that we have to always bail out the world or be the world's police. So this is a mistake. And when I go to eastern Kentucky, where we've been ravaged by floods, or I go to western Kentucky, where I've been ravaged by tornadoes, not one person comes up and says, you know what, we don't really care too much about repairing our roads out here. We'd rather you send it to Ukraine. Right. <laughs> they, send the, they say the opposite. I don't even have to bring it up. They like the fact that I'm trying to protect what we have for our country first. And it doesn't mean we couldn't help people, but you don't help people, you know, in your community by borrowing, going to the bank and borrowing $1,000 right. and giving it to somebody. You have to have a surplus. You have to work hard enough to save money, and then you can help others. But you can't borrow money to help others. That's what we're doing, and it makes no economic sense. Go and read this letter that the senator wrote. I know you've got to go and vote. Can you give me 30 seconds on the revelations about Pfizer and how they may be, in fact, doing in-house private company, doing in-house gain-of-function? That's nuts. Well, it, it made complete sense, didn't it? They said they were not doing gain-of-function research except for when they were doing gain-of-function <laughs> exactly. research. Doesn't that make sense to you? <laughs> can the Senate do something? Can can you pull Borla in front of you? This isn't okay. Um, yeah, I think there are, I think there is going to be more. I'm still waiting for one Democrat to step up. Yeah. I'm I'm lobbying the chairman. The chairman and the Senate are all Democrats. I'm lobbying several of them to get them to sign requests to get requests even from government. So, for example, the NIH. We asked them for a document. They sent 250 pages blacked out. This is the NIH. This isn't the CIA. This right. is not the secrets to the nuclear weapons. 250 pages concerning grants and money spent on gain-of-function research in Wuhan, and they blacked it all out. So then we pushed and pushed. We finally got most of it unredacted. There's still 50 pages they won't show us. But if I had one Democrat would sign a request to get it, we would get it. They think because it's only Republicans, they don't have to do it. But guess what? The good news about a Republican majority in the House I've talked to these men and women. They are going to investigate this. There are going to be subpoenas. But you shouldn't have to use a subpoena on your own government exactly. to give information. It's the job of Congress to spend the money. And we have the ultimate threat, but we would need people on the other side to do it. Quit sending money to any agency that will not divulge and give us the information about what they've been spending money on. But this is a big problem. Yeah. Six million people died worldwide, and there has not been one committee hearing on this. Senator Rand Paul, I know you've got to go and vote. Thank you so much for the time today. We appreciate what you do for us. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Glad to have you. Thanks. I appreciate you stopping by. We really enjoy when Rand Paul comes on, the senator from Kentucky, Republican from Kentucky. Think about that. This is why so many Republicans don't like Rand Paul. And I'm, by that, I mean the establishment Republicans. He, he doesn't mind. He'll come on and he'll tell you the reason why we don't have those spending caps anymore is because of big spending Republicans. And he's right. Because you had that negotiation done in 2011, 2012, whatever it was. And Obama was forced, because of the leverage of the Congress, to negotiate and cap spending 
The House and the Senate both were in the hands of Republicans in 2017 under Trump. Why has spending continued to go up? Why weren't those caps left in place? Those caps were our only way to eventually one day balance the budget. Now, he says if you lower spending by 100 to $150 billion a year, which isn't that much in a $4 trillion budget, you lessen spending by 100 to $150 billion a year, and in four or five years, you can actually have a balanced budget. Why wouldn't we have a balanced budget? Where was it ever written by our founders or anybody else that you should spend more money than you have? Why do we ever live in a deficit? How is that possible? Can you live in a deficit? Can you have no money in your bank account, take out your debit card, swipe it, and, and have it work? Of course not. You have to have a balanced budget. And between you and me, we should also have any money that we have out there, any currency that we have out there should be backed up by gold. It just should. Now, this is not me just making this up. It means that it actually has value. Why do you think inflation is what it is? It's the, it doesn't, there's really, really no value to that paper that's not really paper that, that we use as currency. They could keep on printing, print, print trillions of it a year, and we don't even know the difference. Other than everything seems to cost more, and our dollars don't seem to go as far. And now you've got these idiots in Congress, who are not, not including Rand Paul, and, and a few others aren't included either, but who are pushing digital currency. You shouldn't be using any money at all. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I mean, that's what it was always about. King dollar is not going to be the king dollar anymore. And who do you think would love us to go to some sort of digital currency more than anybody else in the world? China. They would love that. Because now king dollar isn't king dollar anymore. Already there are countries considering going away from the dollar standard. We just need to get things back into a budgetary system that makes sense. We all have to live within a budget. Our cities and counties have to, our states have to. Why wouldn't the federal government have to? What kind of a boondoggle are we dealing with here? We need more Rand Pauls out there raising their voices and calling out even his own team when they do the wrong thing. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247-JOEPAGS.com. Go there, click on Instagram, check out the, come on, videos. They're over there. Also, um, I put up a, a, a short up on YouTube last night and a few people saw it. So go and follow whatever social media you love. We're out there. We're back after this. This is the Joe Pegg Show.